0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, we're joined by Ashley Merrill, CEO and founder of LUNYA. Lunia sells luxury sleepwear for the modern woman with a BA in arts and an MBA from the university of California, Ashley founded Lunia in 2012. Among her degrees, Ashley also attended culinary school. While wearing her husband's old t-shirt as pajamas, the idea of Lunia was born as an early startup. Ashley found herself hiring employees from Craigslist and other job boards. Her early startup went from a few employees to 45. The California based company has had a growth of 400% year to year. Lunia was ranked at number 129 on the Inc 5000 2020 list with a three-year growth of over 2,000%. We are pumped to host Ashley on the podcast, so let's jump right in. Thank you for being here today, my friend.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, we are so pumped. I'm curious. I know we mentioned just a little bit in the podcast around the origin story, but from your own recollection, from your own mouth, how did we get into this?
0: Yeah, well, you know, I think Lunia started, like most people's, businesses with an idea you know it mentioned earlier it was really I was wearing my husband's old clothes around the house and I caught my reflection and was looking at myself just thinking you know why am I wearing this and <laughs> it was it wasn't a cute old outfit it was like a genuine old outfit of his and it was comfy and one of those broken in shirts and yeah. the whole thing and I realized I was wearing it because I wanted to feel comfortable around the house and and then I, I realized that okay there's probably a way to be comfortable and to maybe not be wearing you know, not not be uh, letting the wheels fall off, so to speak. And and, <laughs> I and yeah. so I started looking around, see if I could find somebody making it. I mean, my first inclination was not, oh, I'm going to launch a sleepwear company. It was, I wonder if there's someone that makes something that I can wear around the house. And really, the, the impetus for the whole thing started because I couldn't find an answer to that problem. Um, most of the things that were out there on the market were very sexy women's lingerie or uh, very um, almost matronly, like a long sleeve, mm. you know, sort of woven traditional pajama set, not that unlike what you might see in I Love Lucy or something of that right, nature.
1: Right. I
0: was like, yeah, I'm not really feeling like I need either of these. Where's the thing for today's modern woman that wants to put? Poke- comfortable and cute and also have something that transitions in and out of bed really well and so that was kind of the thesis but honestly it just hung at that point I didn't jump in and go okay great I'm gonna go for it yeah. um I just sat with that idea for a while because in my head I thought you know why would I start this I have no background in fashion there's probably a million better people to do this than me and so I did what a lot of people do I talked myself out of it for a good long while um I actually uh, was heading into business school at this point. I had a couple other ideas that I had been kicking around, and um, and it really wasn't until I got pregnant that I realized I needed to go forward with the idea. And, huh. and the way that worked was I got into school, so I started my MBA in uh, September, early September. I got pregnant end of September, and second I got pregnant, I went, this actually is a really good idea because I've been mulling over the idea for a couple of years at that point, maybe a year and a half or so. Um, And I wasn't not doing it because I didn't think it was a good idea. It was actually the last idea standing that had passed my own scrutiny for that long. just that I had fear in my head, which a lot of people do. And so um, that kept me from jumping in. But then once I got pregnant, I went, well, what's going to be worse, doing it and failing it or never doing it and telling my kids I just never even swung the bat. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, re- and, and oddly, the kids ended up being this thing that made me decide to take the risk on this idea that I had felt really confident in.
1: God, that is so cool. Uh- I'll I'll share maybe this in a minute because I don't want to be too much about me. But I experienced the same thing. Really? When we yeah, when we were actually pregnant with my second child was when I made a big kind of career pivot, and I couldn't tell if it was the right reason to make a career pivot or the stupidest decision. (laughs) You know, sometimes
0: sometimes it's hard to tell, and and you never know you're going to end up. But yeah, I remember
1: telling a friend I can't tell the line between kind of faith and foolishness. I can't tell which one this is, but I had a. I had a lingering feeling that I would rather have the story and the example of going for something, regardless of the outcome, than the example of playing it too safe, you know? So for, for, I hear this a lot. Someone has a good idea. And the question is, why me? Right. Got to be someone better. Got to be someone smarter. Right. How do you, how did you, and how do you overcome that, that thought?
0: If they were smarter they probably wouldn't have done it
1: <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> i think if you know too much you become your own worst enemy and a lot of risk taking i mean and it, yeah. it sounds i'm joking but like my husband's an entrepreneur too and we both look at each other and we're like man if we knew what this was going to take i don't know you know um yeah but i do think that um sometimes not knowing can be a gift in certain respects and i think the gray area of knowing is, is is absolutely gray. I mean, there's no there's no question about it. But I think that um, sometimes because you don't know or in areas where you maybe don't have the perfect background, you are going to show up automatically with a unique and distinct point of view. And since yeah. having a differentiated business is important because you're not going to want a cookie cutter something that already exists out yeah. there. Yeah, um, You really do need a unique point of view. And so sometimes your own lack of experience lets you show up in a unique way and create something that um, is really special. And so it, you know, that's not a perfect explanation though. I don't know that that helps everybody who's trying to figure out if it's a good or bad idea. I mean, I think it also depends on your personality. In my case, I'm at least at that stage of my life I certainly wasn't a risk taker, I was more prone to be fearful and and cautious. And so, like I told you, I sat on this idea for a long time and beat it up. And so by the time it got through my own scrutiny, it it had to be something real because I I was tough on that idea. And maybe if you're not, maybe if you're more an optimistic person who's like can-do and believes, you know, total optimism through a lot of this stuff, maybe you need to bounce it off somebody who's more of that kind of, that critic, you know, help you suss through it a little bit. but. Uh, in my case, by the time it got through me, I figured there had to be something left.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that, I just wrote down the question: How do you test an idea? Because you, you are an entrepreneur, it said, you were saying your husband as well, which means you've probably had plenty of ideas. Some you pursued, some you haven't. Right. Have you found anything to be helpful? Certain questions or certain processes to test an idea?
0: Yeah, I mean, I say this, I, I, I say this kind of often, so. Um, I apologize in advance for anyone that's maybe heard me on another podcast, but I, I, um, I really like, uh, this is called the hedgehog principle from the good to great book. Yeah. I really like it. I think that it's simple. So I think it's easy to remember. And I do, you know, I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm also an investor at this point. And so. Um, I see a lot of business deals and a lot of the early ones if, if they just put it through this framework, I, I feel like there would be a really good self filtering process that would come there. But the buckets are basically is it a differentiated idea? the so reason why you can do this, why you're really you know that person that's set up to do it? Do um, so you have a lot of passion? Um, you're gonna have to show up every day, I think especially in the areas that you don't know a lot about that you might be yeah. coming in green it's your job to get yourself up the learning curve and it's going to be so hard. You're going to need a lot of passion to push you through, to get you out of bed every day. It's, it's a constant experience of two steps forward, one step back. And yeah. you've got to just be willing to push through it because you believe that much. And ultimately early on, you're, you know, you're doing it a lot through your, um, your own, you know, your own physical uh, conviction to push an idea through. But over time, you actually have to convince others with your conviction and get them mm. to buy into it. So no matter what, that passion piece is really important. And then the third one being, is there a business model? Like, can you show that this makes money? And I think there's been different phases, depending on how the economy is doing, where sometimes that becomes more or less important, where you'll hear people being like, we'll figure that out down the road. I think certainly in today's climate, that's not as as much of the common uh a common perspective but i think you need to have a plan where at some point this makes money
1: it's brilliant i love that uh let's get back to the case study because sure. i want i'm curious uh taking lunia as a case study when you decided to go for it you made it, you made it through your initial filters at least yep. where did you start and what were those early days like
0: yeah so part of my filter did involve talking to other people and asking people what they were wearing around the house and um, what gaps they feel? What do they? How do they feel about how they show up at home? You know, a lot of a lot of questions. And and part of I say part of it passing my test was me feeling like the demand was bigger than myself. And I think that's important too because. Oftentimes we're a really good initial indicator, but we are not inclusive of everyone. And just because we find there to be a really great opportunity there doesn't mean there's a market there. So I was, I was starting to do was get a sense of, is there a market bigger than myself? And, and I was seeing a lot of opportunity there. Um, Once I decided to do it, once I was like, yep, this is what's happening, you know, took the dive. um, I, nothing really changed. You know, you go from one day going, I'm not going to do it to the next day going, I'm going to do it. And then nothing yeah. happens, you know? So, and <laughs> the, the, the one change for me was I didn't know where to start. So it meant starting to talk to people, letting people know what I kind of dreamed of, the theory that I had, how I was going to try to move forward with it and putting that vulnerable dream that you have out there. And, and it really starts with friends and family, you know, just putting it out there with my friends and family and getting connected uh, through their networks to people that they thought could be useful. And I would say a lot of the times, these aren't necessarily people that are going to be useful, but sometimes those people could kick me to the next person.
1: Who yeah. could be useful.
0: And so a lot of it was very, um, you know, it wasn't like this perfectly executed plan where I was like, this is where I wanna be in five years. Let me work backwards and hire all the people. And I, I didn't know how to answer any of those questions. I'm not from that business. I had not run a big organization before. There were so many things I didn't know. I mean, that's why I say, looking back, I'm almost laughing that it was a success. <laughs> yeah. Obviously I tried really hard and here I am, but also um, you know, there's so many different holes to step in. And I feel like some of it is just the luck of not falling in one. Uh, but yeah, I I was very blessed. I talked to a lot of family, a lot of friends and they would kick me to one person and that person would kick me to another person. And eventually I found some folks that were willing to consult with me. Yeah. And that was kind of how the whole thing started was with, with, um, I had one full-time employee who was sort of a Jill of all trades, like myself, neither of us being experienced or knowing what we we're doing. And then a lot of, and then, you know, different consultants that I would speak to from time to time.
1: Okay. So how long from the time you made the internal decision to go for it to it having some kind of flesh on how long of a period was that
0: two years from when I went from, I'm going to do this to having something to sell.
1: Okay. And what was the hardest part about getting to that point?
0: The self doubt, Mm. you know, just the constant, why am I doing this? You know, looking, I, I was from, um, I had a year in venture, and then I was in online media doing M and A and launching an internal um, uh, web destination. So I kept being like, "Why am I going to a physical goods product? I know a lot about online. What am I doing?" You know, and yeah, um, a lot of self doubt. I, I think you know, who do I hire? What do I do next? It was constant. You'd wake up every day. You'd sometimes have good thoughts that day. Oh, we're making momentum in these ways, and then. And I mean, I meant it when I said two steps forward, one step back. It would literally be like that. You could count on it every day. I'd finally, I'd get a breakthrough. Something's happening. I got the name of a designer that makes sense. Oh, and by the way, the whatever fell through. You know, yeah, Just, yeah. It was, it was you could you could count it. I could set my watch to it. You know. Yes,
1: yes. Uh, my I remember my wife sending me those screenshots of the entrepreneur's roller coaster ride. You know, oh, and it, it. like it kind of helped, you know, it kind of helps to know you're not alone, that this is part of the journey, but the other part, it's still just annoying. You're like, even with perspective, I still feel like that right there. Like it's not going to work. This is terrible. You know? Um,
0: Well, and you said it earlier because you'd be like, most businesses don't work. You have to be some kind of insane person to think this one is going to work, you know? And so there's this insane amount of self-belief that you need to get yeah. through it and to somehow feel like you're going to be different. You're going to be the exception. And I think you'd have to be nuts to not never feel that. I feel, yeah. I feel that all the time. I've never met an entrepreneur who, who hasn't felt it. Yeah. Um, and I will say, you mentioned it earlier, but I think the network really helped too. I started networking with other entrepreneurs and the key was not other entrepreneurs who were, you know, oh, runs really big business. That wasn't super useful. What was really right. useful was talking to people that were kind of where I was at. Yes. You know, they, they like, oh, who'd you use for the lawyer? Oh, okay, cool. Oh, I made this really weird hiring. You know, I made a bad hiring decision. Here's what I, and they, they'd give me advice or I'd give them advice or, you know, we that kind of in the trenches. Yeah. Camaraderie was really, really. Helpful. That's
1: why we started this podcast. Uh, really. was, yeah, we, one of the reasons, there's a few reasons, but one of the reasons was I love how I built this. That's yeah, great. a great podcast, but often it's, it's hard to really relate to Richard Branson or right. to the founders of Uber or whatever, when you're like, okay, inspiring parts of it helpful, like uh, True. Uh, Yvonne Shenard, founder of Patagonia, best interview they've done, at least the one I took the most out of it. Like, Holy crap, I was sending it to friends, listening to it over and over again. But I was like, I want to talk with people at a similar growth stage that my company's at. I want, and I want us to learn from each other, like whether it's just in those early years or you just made it out of those early years and now you've got some traction and you're, you've got 50 people. What's going on, you know? Um, so that uh, it sounds similar to you. And, you know, people, are correct when they say you have to have some kind of blind optimism. You have to have some kind of belief that you can do it to navigate the storms. But in my estimation, all it needs to be is 51% over 49%.
0: That's perfect, Lisa. Yes.
1: Like that's all it needs to be. Almost like to win the election, like you technically just need 1% more than the other guy or girl. Yeah. Yeah. Like we can almost make our self doubt stronger when we assume the other person has like 90% belief in themselves. Yeah. And only 10% doubt. It's like, no, most people I talk to just have it barely tipped the other way. <laughs> you it, know what it, I mean?
0: Absolutely true. It's absolutely true. And you know what? And it's on the macro because you know, some days <laughs> those days are just like, what am I doing? Yes. And those were the days I almost kind of insulated myself because as a leader, your job is, you know, what is that expression? As a leader, your job is to keep hope alive. Like, yeah. if you can't show up in that headspace, you're almost better off don't show up, you know, just... just
1: Take the day off. Go, the co- day go collect off. yourself.
0: Yeah. Like, because you have to be the beacon of hope and positivity. Yeah. Um, it's it's what you're signing up for. And so it's wild because you have to manage your own emotions. That's why I talk about that self-doubt being the real... That was, that was the real challenge because I have to... I have to overcome that. And then I have to show up for my team and get people on board. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. It's a
1: thing. Well, man, I, it makes me, it's almost like PTSD. Sometimes, oh, yeah. it's like even going back to like early baby years. Yeah. My wife and I talk, like sometimes we'll watch a movie and hear a, a screaming, crying baby. And like we have like oh, PTSD. <laughs> like that's not ours, is it? You know? Yeah. Um, but I think back to a day, there's many days like this, but a day that I was almost going to quit. Yeah just find some job to go back to and
0: do yes. whatever.
1: And my wife was smart and she was like, no, just take the day off. Like, don't yes. quit. Take the day off. I was like, what do I do? Like, I got nothing. Like, what do you do? And she was yes. like, go to a movie. You like movies? I was like, all right, I'll see if something's out. Yeah, so I, I felt like even more like a loser going to a, a movie in the middle <laughs> of a day. I should have been working and grinding and whatever. But man, I don't know if it was God or the universe or what, but there was a movie about Winston Churchill.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And I was like, oh, that sounds good. I want to go see that, right? And I felt like, I don't know, it's a Hollywood portrayal, so they probably exaggerated certain things and whatever. I don't care. The story is what I needed. Yes. And I was resonating with this character whose back was up against the wall
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: who thought it was over but kept holding on for hope. And then there was this conversation between him and the prime minister in the middle of the night where Winston Churchill was basically saying, I'm doubting if I'm the guy to help us through this. I'm doubting if we can do it. And the guy basically said, that's fine. But as a leader, they can't know that.
0: They can't. like,
1: that. I can know that. Like you need people behind the scenes. That's right. That you can share your doubts with and whatever. I'll be, he goes, you can call me any time of the night. I'll be here for you. Uh, you need to be the face of courage that's to, awesome. the, to everyone. And then uh, that got me. But I also love that connection behind the scenes where you can be vulnerable here. And then his wife in the movie said something to him and said, the reason you doubt yourself is the reason why you're the right person right now.
0: That's right. That's, that's exactly
1: right. I know, it was like, there were so many things. I was like quietly kind of crying in the movie theater. Like,
0: <laughs> ah, It was like resonating on every level. Yeah, but it is true. And I think, you know, maybe that's a good takeaway actually is the importance of your personal network. You yes. know, that could be a spouse. I'm lucky enough to have a spouse that, I mean, because he was an entrepreneur, we would have days where I would just be like, I don't want you to talk to me. Yeah. Like, no one could like, I'd be super short and I'd be like snappy, I'm dealing with some employee issue. And I'd just be like, honestly, you know, if you're gonna talk to me, it's not gonna be positive for you or for me. (laughs) You should just give me a day. And that, you know, we understood each other in that way because he had been there through a lot of that. And and that was really helpful. And I have best friends that I call and they're not affiliated with my company. And so I could call them and just like unload on them. Um, I'm really appreciative for them taking those calls after so many of those, (laughs) because you're right. Like, it's like, you got to play, you have to have a plate. Everybody needs that, Yeah. but but, you know, work is in the place. And I think one of the beauties of my company growing is early on when it was small, I I, I had, um, I didn't have it. I mean, it's still small, I guess everything's relative, but uh, I had more of a junior team. And I think, and I didn't have a business partner and I think my theory on business partners is that they're it's easier to start a business with a partner and harder long-term to run a business with a partner. This is like yeah. my way of all the people I've met. Cause I think when you start with a partner, you actually build in that, that network of this person who understands what's going on that you can actually be really vulnerable with. So early on, I used to jokingly be like, I'd sit in the car and like talk to myself like a crazy person, um, <laughs> you know, like trying to coach myself. Cause I didn't, we had one office, everybody was in one room. I couldn't even like get space for myself. And I'd go sit in the car and I just okay, Ashley, like what, what should you do now? You know, something would happen. Yeah. And, um, and that the second the company got big enough that I could get like C team players, uh, it changed everything for me because your C team is a little more of a team that you get to be vulnerable. You know, you can yeah. be, you still are a leader for them. you need to show up, but they're also, they're, there's, they're running this business with you. Yeah. They're kind of like know?
1: generals with you
0: yeah exactly exactly so it that that's been a real blessing too
1: yeah so when when i like to ask this question hopefully this question makes sense but like was there a moment that you you looked at and said i think this means we're going to be okay right that like either the revenue was catching on to a certain degree or the buy-in from the market or did you have a moment where wasn't that like of course we're going to succeed but it felt like a tipping point.
0: Yeah. Um, I think early on the business when I first was able to run conversion ads in a way that was profitable, I went, okay, this is going to work. And, and that's because, um, you know, early on my cost of goods was really high and, um, the cost to acquire at that point was lower than it is today. So it was, it was a different kind of game. Um, but once I could cross over that threshold of covering my cost to acquire and the cost of goods i went okay well now i need to have a little margin for opex but with scale that actually covers all of my opex thing and then that and then a little bit of margin for profit and then i'm good you know and so that was basically a huge moment that was early on uh, that probably was um you know within that first year like 2015 uh first year after launch where I went, okay, this is a real thing. Now I didn't know how big it was going to be. I remember at a certain point saying, um, uh, you know, if I could get to a million dollars, oh my gosh, you yeah. know.
1: Can you imagine? And,
0: yeah, I just like can't believe it. And then one of the things that's really funny is the the goalposts move.
1: Yeah. yeah. You
0: know, like no yeah. one taught me this, but it's like, I remember being like, oh, if I could make a million dollars. Or if someone ever wanted to buy this business for like $10 million, oh my gosh, like take it, you know, it's going to be awesome. And now it's just amazing how like, I laugh at myself thinking about that. Like that was, I mean, we, we blew past those numbers, you know, like all the numbers really fast. Sure. And then you just, you just keep looking forward. Um, and that's, th- there's beauty in that, in that I think um, it's, it's how you continue to have growth, you know, how you keep getting bigger. But the challenge of it is to, you know, enjoy the moment, celebrate the wins. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because I know that that's a, just a brain trap that yeah. we can get in, which is, uh, I think they call it hedonistic adaptation.
0: Wow. That's a big it's word a for that. Big
1: word. Right. But hedonistic adaptation means that the thing that we'd find pleasure in hedonism, yes. right? Adapts. So we say, mm-hmm. I will feel pleasure when we're financially secure. or I'll feel pleasure when we get to the destination, But then as soon as that becomes your normal, you adapt to it and it's no longer novel. Right. It doesn't generate the same uh, measure of natural happiness. Right. Right. So if unchecked, we're in a cycle of never satisfied. Right. So if we don't work with that and figure out, like, how do we find joy regularly? How do we find satisfaction? Then we're kind of like the person who's always hungry. You know what I mean? So I wonder how have you how have you thought about that or worked with that so that it's not always chasing, but there is some joy now.
0: I think it's that's my new challenge. Really, I think that's that's the new life place I'm I'm lucky enough to have been to have arrived at, which is the place of trying to not. constantly sacrifice the short term for the long term i've really been grinding for a long time you know yeah. and this is there's something about a startup that it takes part of your soul you know it's it's so much work i mean i i my work schedule for most of this has been waking up at 3am you know like working until the kids wake up and then you know i had two kids during this whole process and the whole thing and it was it was i mean I think I always pride in myself, my ability to push through pain. And I think that that has been like, honestly, one of the most critical elements to my success is just this ability to blow through walls. Yeah. But here's this element about myself, which I think is actually one of my personal differentiators. One of the things that is actually the you know cornerstone of my success to date. And yet it's also the enemy of, happiness and that weird moment and that's the wild thing right yeah, so, yeah i don't know there's that you know buddhism talks about uh you know the absence of desire or you know the the yep. wants brings unhappiness you know how these two things are, are tied together that, um and i mean I'm, i i know it intellectually sure. you know and so i think that that's the first step Yeah. Um, I look at my parents, I'm lucky also to have parents that did have a grind stage. They used to tell me like your 30s are just a grind and holy smokes, That's, were they yeah. right about that.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you know, just between the kids and the work and whatever. And, and they also have told me like they've loved every, I mean, my parents are well in their 60s now and they. I'm like, what's your favorite age? And they're like, I don't know, maybe right now, you know, just to have people say that to you yeah. to realize Um, and see the presence that they approach how they are right now and i i think um i've got you know we talked about this earlier we are talking about how important it is to like to see it to know to name it to be able to go okay that's what i'm going for i look at my parents and and my husband's parents and they are like enjoying their life now you know they they have they grinded like crazy for years and then and then when the moment came to, to step back and to choose to not go harder, but to choose to enjoy more, they they, they went that path, you know, it's yeah. not humiliation. I remember reading about um, Steve Jobs and, and I couldn't help feel sad about where he died, like the stage in life, like how he left, you know, it was like yeah. where he'd been so consumed with work and i don't know him personally and i have no maybe this is exactly what he wanted so i'm applying my judgment my filter to his life which is which is probably not right but um i just thought from all the things i read i I don't want to be like that i don't want to miss out so much of my kids and my family like that's not what i want and so my goal was go super hard while my kids are in the baby stage and then bring in pros that, you know, we're going to, we're going to grow it through my sweat and hard work early stage. And then eventually we're going to grow it because we're going to build an amazing scalable organization that, that people can have like a life and work for, you know, that.
1: Where are you at in that process? Are you still in that grind? It's all on me. Or have you started to find that scalable process?
0: I think we're really starting to find that scalable process. And I also think like the importance with which you approach your team, particularly those that are, you know, my C team, about where I'm headed and how Lunia fits into that, um, is really important because we're able to hire around me so that it's not, uh, it's not a job that drowns me forever. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think various teams are at various different places within that, but I think we're all trying to get out of it. And it's a privilege to be able to be out of it because you have to be able to afford people to to, um, to help take over some of those things. And and candidly, you know, we couldn't until we had our, we were profitable for the first time this in 2020. And so uh, now we're able to be thinking a little more in that mindset, but when you're not profitable, you don't get the luxury of thinking like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It makes me several things I want to kind of bat around because this is a fun conversation for me. Um, the first is that this this idea of all or nothing thinking, yeah, that I either need to rid myself of desire and goals and long-term thinking because I'm missing the present or I need to sacrifice the present for the long term. I think either way gets us in trouble because I don't know if you've noticed this, but in my estimation, in my opinion, most of the deepest things about life are held in tension.
0: right? Yeah, there's
1: some kind of opposite like, opposite note or reality that seems to contradict right
0: yeah. yes
1: and we want to eliminate that contradiction so we're like pick one like yeah. are you on this side of it or on this side of it and it's like right. well why don't we just hold it right like let's hold that intention and just see what that does right mm-hmm. so you have grit like angela yeah. duckworth's grit right yes successful people have the ability to sustain passion and perseverance for long-term goals yes yes so that's what you're talking about. Like, I had to learn grit. I've got to keep sacrificing short-term for long-term.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yet happy people seem right. to find pleasure in what they have versus yeah. in what they want, yeah. right? And so it's like, all right, those are two contradictory things, but life is contradictory.
0: It's so true.
1: So it's in my mind, it's not about like these all-or-nothing adjustments. I think they're incremental adjustments.
0: And I also don't think don't you, you could- think- yeah, I, I think, and to build on that, I agree with you 100%. And I also think that if, you, if you're if you optimizing for uh, balance, which I, I hear a lot of, in, in the present moment, it will also be, you actually will have trouble winning at either also. Exactly, because yes. I, I think that balance is about the macro, in my opinion. It's about when I'm on my deathbed, and I'm looking back at my life, do I have a good mix of the things that I would want in there? Is it? Yeah, is it, if yeah. I created that pie graph, that retrospective pie graph, would I like what that pie says about me? Yes. And, but if you look at it in the short term, I love when I interview 23 year olds, and they talk to me about work life balance. And I'm like, you're 23. Like, you don't know anything yet. So <laughs> yeah, you're not here for work life balance. You're here to learn, you know, like, yeah. on your free time, I hope you're learning or you're gonna have trouble progressing. It's like, you're not you're, you don't get get that or you do and you choose a life path that is going to be maybe less ambitious, less like that, you know, and that's OK. You make but the trade off, though. Exactly. Like. Yeah. And I think that it's appropriate for me for where I am to begin to be making this shift. But if you're 23 and you're looking at me and wondering why I'm getting to have this shift and why you're not. Well, because when I was 23, I wasn't I wasn't either. You know, and yeah, I think some of that is uh, it's you know, I think there's a time and place for it, you know, and, and I think I, I, you know, I pushed all out and until my company went profitable and then I went, okay, I have kids that are getting old enough. I need to be here. You know, I have to be, I'm going to start picking my kids up from school. Like that was my, my goal here. I was, I was like, I want to be the one to pick them up from school and, or my husband and I were like teaming up on it. But, um, and I want to be able to be present. Like I don't want it to be where I'm always carrying all the things in the back of my head. And, yeah, and I feel, I feel good about that. You know, and some weeks are worse than others. And I think, you know, my husband and I talk about this all, t- you know, we're so lucky because we're really, we've got our timing kind of locked and loaded a little bit. Actually, he backed off a little earlier than me career wise. And then he was like, wait, you're still working really hard. So now what am I doing? And then he got back in. And now we're both (laughs) kind of in this place where we're going, we're looking for that balance in our life. And so it's cool because I think you also go, you know, some weeks are good. Some weeks aren't, but we know we're headed in that. We're definitely, if you, if you were to zoom out, you would see an improvement over time. Yep.
1: Trending in the right direction.
0: Exactly.
1: exactly. Yes. That's why I'm like, life is a series of data points that if you zoom in too far, it can be overly elating or overly discouraging.
0: That's so true. And
1: instead it's like, where, what's the trend of your life? Yes. Is your marriage trending in the right direction? That's right. Is your family trending in the right direction? Like just zoom out some, right? That's and right. then in the short term, you're totally right. Like balance is, depending on how we talk about it, is fictional.
0: Yeah, it's an illusion. Yeah.
1: Right. And it's, and often it creates mediocre, mediocrity in every That's area. Right. That's right. It's, but it's like, no, I want to know appropriateness. Right. So what moment am I in? Right. The appropriate presence, mindset. Like, how do I show up to this right now? And and where I where I got called out was my wife was like, "Are you here or there?" Right. And I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "Well, you're physically here, yes. but you're what? What's on in your head?" She's like, "I'd rather you either go upstairs, yes, and finish what you need to do, or leave that and be here, but like pick one." And that's where I was like, "Okay, in the moment, I could lean into." Enjoy what's right in front of me. Yes. Right. Take it all in, knowing that next hour or tomorrow morning, it's also gonna be appropriate for me to snap back into hard charger, yes, driver. So it's like we need to be able to kind of shift in and out of those and different demands, hard. right?
0: That, absolutely. And I feel like your wife and I have said the same words.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> like yeah. Be here or be
1: there. Which one are yeah, you? Yeah,
0: but it's re- and it's really hard like to to you know, as like I said, I have the luxury of like he and I both being entrepreneurs. So, you know, some days I couldn't transition out and I would just be like, I, I can't, I, I want to be here, but it is, I am so, uh, Like
1: alarm bells going off. I got
0: everything going off in here and like, yeah. I can't turn it off. And I'd like snap at the kids or, you know, something. And I'd just be like, I, I, I might need to disappear. Like for, yep. for you know, like I'm just going to go upstairs or like, can you put the kids to bed? And, um, we've done that for each other. And I think that
1: it's awesome. Uh,
0: yeah, it's it's hard. That's it's hard, right? To snap in and out?
1: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's the same thing with like emotional states. Oh god. So, yeah. I've been diving into the research around emotional agility a lot
0: Ooh, because
1: yeah. I realized for me, for my clients, so I'm a performance coach. I run a coaching company and we work with leaders and uh, individuals on yeah. their performance, mentally, emotionally, at their job, whatever. Yeah. And that was just something I was having a hard time articulating in where you get stuck in a state. Yes. Let's say you get stuck in a stress state or an agitated state or whatever. It's like, okay, that's emotional rigidity.
0: Yes. Where
1: we're we're not very flexible. And so we we get pushed into a corner. We get pushed into an emotion. Can we learn a way to not reject it? So we're not afraid of being afraid. We're not afraid of anger. Right. We can be a little more agile and and let that emotion come, let it pass. And then let me get into the state that I want to be in. Right. And it's similar to that, like shifting gears. Is it hard? Yes. But is it possible?
0: Yeah. Pretty sure yeah. that's why marijuana is a big growing industry.
1: Huge. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's absolutely like a really, you know, it, it can help with that. because it,
1: it alters your state. Yeah, you know? also,
0: like right, exactly.
1: CBD, marijuana, all that kind yeah. of stuff. And it's all in the it's all in how you use stuff like that. Right. 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 And same thing with exercise. Exercise is a great drug yeah. where it's like, man, sometimes if I can't kick anxiety, Yeah. I have to go put my body through its paces.
0: That's right. I totally, I even think exercise. Um, I was just, I was chatting with a a friend of mine who's very early in his career and I'm a big fan of working out because I'm like, exercise is actually where I learn to push my own boundaries. Yes. You know, I can get through pain, but I do it all. I do it every day when I work out. Right. I like pick up the heavier dumbbells. I push myself through that next set. and Because I can do that. I know I can survive today, you know, and running yes. this company, and like whatever craziness you're gonna, you know, I'm going to get thrown today. I will keep putting one foot in front of the other. It's a really great practice actually. Yeah. For, I think entrepreneurship.
1: Yeah. I don't do, I don't necessarily do CrossFit. I don't have anything against it. I do a different kind of working out, but I like the concept of the WOD, the workout of the day.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: Because in business, it feels like that. Like you show uh-huh. up and you don't know what the workout of the day is going to be, yeah. you know, it could be the unhappy employee. It could be an unhappy customer. It could be yeah. your vendor just canceled on you or something You're like, well, that's the workout of the day. I guess we're yeah. we're going to show up to this, right?
0: Totally agree. Yes.
1: Well, so let's talk about this current state of the company. How, how big are we talking about in terms of, uh, employees, uh, right now? How many, yeah. how many employees do you guys have?
0: I want to say we're around between
1: 45 and 50. Okay. And what has most characterized that season, that stage of growth for the business? You're beyond you're beyond the early organic phase where everybody knows their name, like cheers, right? Yeah, totally. Starting to get beyond where it's like, maybe I don't know everyone's name. Someone else hired that person. Maybe I didn't hire them personally. Like what other things have characterized going from maybe 10 to 20 people to now you're up 40 to 50 people? I
0: think there's a move from generalist to specialist Uh. That has been happening for the past year, year and a half, and is happening, and I'd say we're still seeing a little bit of that happening at the company. Yeah. And what I mean by that is, I think that the people that you need, and the people that are attracted to joining a very early stage company, like a sub-10 person company, they're people that, you know, if I'm only going to get five employees I need people that can spread out go shallow and wide they can do lots of things you know I I called my first employee the Jill of all trades you know and I wasn't joking like she would run down to the production place with me and then we would both call the web guys and you know it's like the Flexibility with what we be able to go through tasks—it's very important, you know. That's, yeah. that's actually you a can't center. have
1: somebody that says that's not my job at that stage.
0: Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's not my job description, or I don't know how to do that. And it's like, well, I don't know how to do it either. I'm gonna <laughs> get out
1: of here. I need somebody right? else. Exactly. So yeah.
0: it's very interesting because when you run a small business, you prioritize those kinds of hires because you can't hire all the specialists that you need. As a company gets bigger. You make a transition out of that yeah. and I, I'm being generalist about this because I've now you know run a couple companies and uh with all the portfolios that I have I see this across the board yeah. but there is a move where you move into specialists and sometimes the people m- make that move <laughs> um those people that are early days and sometimes they don't and it is not in my opinion um a negative judgment on the company or the individual. I think it's just a situation where you joined for one, you know, under one context where yeah, you were valued okay. for going wide, and then the the narrative changed. You know what what yeah. they use different, and um, and then you have to be able to get your skills up to go deep. You know, can you be that person who maybe went from like you know, you, you took the photos, you uploaded them onto social media, you put the images in the, the e-com store, you did all those things. But now can you be the person that the company needs today? And um, that is really hard on individuals, on the company, on managing through that. I think also a lot of founders are looking at themselves going, if I can't keep all my employees, like, you know, you, you have this vision of, of wanting to keep all your employees. And you have self-doubt when maybe they don't work, they don't go through that transition. And it's, like I said, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. They are fabulous and really good at what you actually hired them to do. It's just that the company's needs sometimes change. And though they might not be as excited about the opportunity to go deep and narrow, you know? And so, I think that that's a really interesting challenge that business goes through. I think Lunia is mostly on the other side of that first stage of this. And my guess is that this is going to probably, you probably get waves and waves of this, you know, yep. over time. And that like the company's needs continue to change as you need people that will go deeper and deeper. Yeah. And, um, and I would say that's, that's a real, I'd say that's, that's the challenge because with that comes, you have to have better coordination, better process, um, clear objectives. You know, you have to run the business better to work with that because now, instead of generalists, where everyone kind of knows everything that's going on, you have people that are very deep and narrow into their area and that you have to coordinate people together in a way that they, um, they're, walk, they're collaborative and, and in walk step with everybody around them. Yeah, yeah. It's taking a new kind of leadership for me and um, I'm very lucky I have a C team here for that transition.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I was just about to ask. Cause typically around that stage, it's at least gone from the leadership of a few To a new layer of leadership. Yes. And then it seems like around 70, a third layer of leadership kind of emerges. First time managers, things like that. Yes. Uh, So you guys are still at that second tier right now of of leadership?
0: Yeah, I would say, um, so I've got C-team that has been with me about a a year and a half to two years now. So I've got those folks baked. I've got a new person starting on my C-team next week, actually. So that's been great. I think we're now, and we've started to hire um, within the past six months, maybe even six months to a year, a, a, a more s- sort of a, a senior director, sort of VP kind of level. We're just yeah. starting in on that that kind of level a bit, and I think that, um, and so I do think being at Lunia if you were at Lunia, maybe the past two years and being in middle management is hard because we were, you know, maybe lacking some of that senior leadership that we needed. And so now that we have it, um, it's getting, I think it's getting better. But I also think that that, um, you know, again, it's really every stage is just it's a transition, especially Holy. for the folks that maybe were there before and we're used to that. And now they're coming in they're like, okay, well, I was used to you know, kind of going rogue and handling my department now. I've got, yeah. some, I think it's this really tricky, I mean, it's, it's so tricky. We're humans, we're not robots. Right. So it's like, you know, the the nuances of emotionally navigating that for yourself as a team member, like going, is this where, you know, is, where do I fit in, in all of this and what's, how does my growth path connect to what the company needs from me and making sure. Yeah.
1: That
0: I just think that's, um, I don't know. It's just hard. And that's what we're at, you know? Well, it's
1: like what we were talking about even before we started recording with our kids. Yeah. How they go through different stages and our relationship to them changes because their needs change. Totally. And it's like, man, early on, it's just keep them alive and keep them fed. And you're just providing basic needs. And then it starts to get a little bit more challenging. And then they're at a stage now where you're having to provide emotional support. Oh yeah. And you're having to like think through some more challenging, like, I have I've answered I don't know like a million times. You know, like (laughs) hilarious questions, like good questions, questions I never thought of. Yes. And then tough stuff like the first time someone picks on them, or oh God, they feel anxiety at school about something, and you're like, wow, we're in a we're in a new stage of development. Right. And that's how it is in a company, where it's like that stage, I was answering these questions. This stage, I'm answering these questions, right? Um, At this stage for your people, for your leaders and your, and even just your, your, your uh, frontline people, what would you say you would most either value or think they need in terms of development? Like what, what, what is the business demanding of your people right now that you hope to give them? Like, ah, if I could train you in this, or if I could give you this skill or this mindset, like what would really help them out at this stage?
0: I think I mean, I I don't have the perfect one word answer for that, but I I would, I would say something in the vein of openness and curiosity. Um, I think that's really important. And then a problem solving mindset. Mm. You know, I think, um, one thing that's helpful to remember is if your company had all the answers, if they had it figured out, you wouldn't have a job. Like you're actually there. To solve problems. So if you feel that there's problems or there's opportunities, those are there for you. Like that's 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 where you can add value. And yeah. so I think you got to approach it with, um, you know, something I've been working on lately is asking questions. I think I'm going through a, a leadership transition too. And by the way, this is like one of those things where, uh, when I talk about the stuff my team goes through, I'm not exempt from this. I of I have course. to go through all of these. You know, the challenges on me. Uh, just as much as it's on everybody else, I have to figure out how to be the right CEO for this stage of my business, which by the way was different than what it needed from me last year. And so this this is, um, you know, the thing I'm working on now is being more of a question asker. I used to feel like I had to come up with the answers because I had a lot more of a junior team. And so they would look to me and be like, well, what do we do now? And I'd have to come up with it. And now I don't have a super junior team. I have a bunch of people that are in many ways more knowledgeable than I am about the craft that they're, you know, like, like I said, I'm a generalist. They're the specialist. I've hired them to be the leader. So I have to transition my own approach and my own way of thinking to be more of a, a curious question asker and then be a problem solver and make sure we get to the end solution. So in some ways, what I think, they need is exactly what i need which is to show cool. up with curiosity and conviction to get to the end goal and and an open mind and, and all this kind of thing so i think that that's really what where we're at
1: so i love that i just uh was working with a client the other day where his aha yeah. was n- knowing that it was okay to say i don't know totally that was really strange for him like he, he felt like certain toxic cultures he had been in before if you ever didn't know or didn't act like you knew you got in trouble for it totally and i was like hey from everything i know about your business no one is expecting you to know i said why don't you try this try if you honestly don't know say i don't know but i'm totally committed to finding out
0: that's that's basically exactly what everybody needs to be that's like that's what i need to do that's That's what what exactly yeah
1: i was like dude that is not a dirty word i said i guarantee you will engender trust Totally. From the people around you, if you're just honest and say, "I actually don't know the answer to that," yeah. but I'm committed to finding out. Yeah. And I know that because that happened with my HVAC guy. Yeah. The other day, like this young kid came in to fix our air, air conditioning. It was last summer, actually. Yeah. And he's up there for a while, poking around, and he comes down. I was just making conversation. I was like, "You know what's going on?" And he's he he started to say something. And he stopped. He goes, "Actually, sir, I'm within my. I'm in the first two months of this job." I'm not quite positive what's going on, but I'm going to step outside and call my manager to figure it out. Yeah. Is that okay. I was like, absolutely. I was yeah. Like, I was like, I'm, I'm glad you're calling your manager. Like, right. let me know what's going on. And they, they even contact me afterwards. They're embarrassed by it. What I was like, don't be embarrassed. I was like, you got a new guy. And I'm thankful yeah. that he actually, instead of acting like he knew the problem.
0: Yeah, he didn't BS you through it. He's just like, here's what it's at.
1: Yeah. And he went, and called the guy that did know. Yeah. Got to figure it out. And I was like, Hey, you learned, I learned like I'm, totally. I'm satisfied job well done. Right. Yeah. Totally. I'm like, if my HVAC guy can tell me, I don't know, but I'll go figure it out. Why totally. can't you tell your team? I don't know, but I'll go figure it out. Right.
0: I mean, if anything, I got to believe COVID was the, um, you know, brought most of us to our knees in that regard. You know, if, even if you thought you knew what was going on last year, like <laughs> yeah. eventually at some point in the year,
1: your you probably were challenged to
0: get around you and be like, I don't know what to do, you know, all yes. of going on. And I do think that you're right, there's a lesson in that. And I did notice it was interesting how many people like referenced that liking the vulnerability of that, which I thought yes. was really interesting. I was like, I mean, I had a call, which I'm sure many people had, you know, the, the like, rough call of making layoffs and, and doing all that early on in March. And um, you know, I mean, I was very upset, I wasn't something I never I I did everything I could to run this business where I never was going to have to have those conversations. And then here I was having those conversations. And, um, and I just remember being like, and I don't, I don't know, you know, but I, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know. This is me trying to like set us up to be as safe as we can. So we can go as long as we can in a completely unknowable situation. And, you know, here was this moment that I thought I was just letting people down because I didn't I didn't know what to do in that and then yeah. it was amazing how many people really appreciated that and I was like wait you you're telling me all this time I didn't need
1: to know anything I could just you know but
0: it was it was it was an eye-opening experience for me for
1: sure wow man uh, tough I can't imagine again it's one of those situations where even you hear from different businesses what they did in response to that pressure and it's like yeah. it, you don't know the context. Like no, no. in this context, the right thing to do was, was to have to, to lay people yeah. off this context. They're able to find a workaround. Like you just don't, like, that was one of the things we were doing. We called it bunker coaching yeah. where we were just off. Like, how can we give back? We were just offering yeah. free coaching uh, in that season to anyone that needed it. And a lot of the time it was just being empathetic yeah. for the situation that, that CEOs were finding themselves in. And just like, yeah. literally like, I am sick to my stomach that I'm at this decision point. Do I yeah. Let people go. Do I not? What if I let them go and that was the wrong move? And I know. blah, 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 blah. So, uh, man, I know what a tough year, but at the same time, like kudos to you and your team for making it through. You know,
0: we, we know. I mean, we, March was crazy. I thought I was going to close the business. You know, it was just one of those things our revenue went into a third, you know, and yes. I was just like, I don't know what happens now. And, and I remember they were talking about unemployment that was going to be bigger than the depression, era, which of course you and I both know it was. And, yeah. And I was like, I have no idea what that does to my business. Like I didn't put that in the plan, you know, and so, <laughs> like, you know, that they didn't teach me that in business school. And so, you know, my thought was like, I have to get this business as absolutely lean as I humanly possibly can keep it so I can keep as much of the team yep. employed as I can and keep the business alive so that when it gets through this, it's, it, we're here. And then you know, I lucked out and March was brutal, closed the stores, laid people, some people off, had to, you know, go through all of it. And then, you know, we were waiting for government help. We were like, come on, we've got this rent. I can't open my stores. What do you even do in this climate? Um, And then April, we picked back up again, because I think people realized they were going to be home for a while. And so we were in a better spot. And then, you know, government could help us a bit with our employees and with our rent. And so we, we and then you know it was like one of the most roller coastery years i know we talked about that earlier but it was like then we were doing great in april and it was like we're like oh my gosh this is amazing it's like we're we're, we're killing it and and everybody wanted to talk about sleepwear and we we did strong through the summer and then um through the political season because we're mostly online of course we hadn't reopened our stores in a big way at that point all the ad space went to Politico's. And so the oh. cost by our customers went way up. So here was this thing that wasn't even COVID related, but it was like another one of those things through the year where we're just like, can this year just end? Like I, I just, yes. it, here. it was like one of those things. And then, um, and then we had a great holiday. So it was like this wild whiplash experience. And um, I felt bad for my employees because I don't want to be that kind of a leader. But I also was just like, Being next human. girl by crystal ball, I'm going to do better. <laughs> You know, I, don't know. Yeah, where- <laughs> I do about that. I just there's no predicting that year.
1: So and that's the thing. Like my me and my business partner and I were talking about this. Like you you truly can't forecast a, a black swan event. I mean
0: no, you you can't
1: you, you can't, can't see something like this a once in a hundred years kind of thing like
0: no and really- themselves up I'm
1: like you can't see that coming.
0: No, and it's really easy to criticize. Everyone wants to criticize everyone with all the hindsight information. We want to do it to our politicians. We want to do it to everybody. Visitors, to every single person. And I'm like, yeah, well, with hindsight, it's really easy to do that. But none of us knew what, what we were headed into. You know, like yeah. the, it was an insane experience. It was like a real, this was a, please let's let hope this is a once in a lifetime experience. But like, yeah.
1: That yeah. would be like on the positive side, that would be like Zoom taking credit for this. <laughs> i'm like bro yeah you you won the plinko lottery of life for just yes, how how the world seemed to shake out zoom came out just sitting there like oh i'll take your money i mean we're on zoom right now doing this interview you know
0: God, right place oh. right time it right is-
1: place right time and then other <laughs> businesses that have been fighting so hard they were doing all the right things the that's way that life right. shook out just shut their doors
0: that's exactly right that's exactly like, there, was, <sighs> there was a lot of that so it's you know, I feel very lucky that it turned out the way I did, that I have business business standing and healthy and growing. And I know lots of others didn't have that. So I, I, yeah, I'm
1: very- Super cool. I will say in the gray zone though, what we did see is those that were left an opportunity, this is not blaming or anything, but like some people did find the grit. Yes. They did rally together and they yeah. chose some smart things that we can learn from. That like we could yeah. say, hey, if you find yourself in a similar situation yeah. of fate back against the wall, here's what I observed some people did, yourself included, as I learned. It's like, you can start to see certain things. People doubled down on communication. Yes. People really rallied together and found innovation. Yes. People emotionally were able to ride out the storm without making really knee-jerk decisions, right? It's like things like that did help those gray zone people where we have a chance, even if it's small, found their way through it and are still here today, right? Yeah, I agree. There's ones that no matter what you did, you just, it wasn't going to happen. It yet. wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, so on a celebratory note, um, man, so cool to hear that you and your team did that. And uh, man, just really impressed by you and by the company you're building. So this has been a fun conversation. I want to get to our lightning round, converse, our lightning round questions before yes. we wrap this up. So I've got five questions for you, uh, Ashley, before we go. Number okay. one, if you could ingrain one message into your entire organization. Everybody has this message ingrained into them. What would that message be?
0: I think I'm going to reference the note I made earlier about that curiosity and openness um, and then sort of a, a, a commitment to outcomes, right? That problem-solving cool. aspect. So I would say that that combination of things together would be really great.
1: I'm so glad you said that. It reminded me of my one of my, I can't say it's my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes uh, is by Mark Twain, where he said, It's not what I don't know that kills me. It's what I know to be so that just ain't so. Yes. And it's that idea of like the thing that really hurts me are the things I believe 100% that aren't true. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's those untested assumptions, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like, man, be more curious, be a little more open handed and say,
0: Yeah.
1: What if I'm wrong about this? You know? <laughs> well,
0: and it's, assume that you're, you're a team, you know? Assume that. People, we're all trying to work together. Everyone's trying to get to the best outcome. Like I said, people are getting more, um, they're going deeper in their areas. So they often don't always know what's going on the other one. So be curious, understand what people are doing. Um, Try to be the the connector, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like problem solve. It's like, oh, wow, okay. Oh, I thought oh, I thought it was one way. It's actually, oh, let me understand how it's going over there. And then let me work with you to figure out how we can get yeah. this. And I think that's true, both internally in problem solving, and then also in creating outcomes for the customers.
1: Love that. I love that outcome focus. Uh, super cool. Number two, what is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And what was the worst?
0: So these two feel similar and almost contradictory. So I'll do the best to explain how I feel like they're different. Okay. Um, The best one, if my husband listens to this podcast, he's going to feel very good about himself, but it's probably (laughs) from him. I feel like I'm referencing him as like the hero in this podcast. Uh, (laughs) But he, uh, you know, he was the one, he would tell me, you know, you're going to build the airplane while flying. And it's not his quote, it's somebody else's quote, but it's a great quote. And I like it. Yes. And it's literally true because so much of the time you feel like you don't know what you're doing, or you know, people, uh, you know, you look back on it in hindsight and are like, "Oh, I obviously needed to add that position, or I should have paid yeah. that SaaS platform, or the whatever," you know. Yeah. yeah, And I'm like, "Well, right," but at that time, and this is where I say it's hindsight's always really easy. You know, you don't know all those things, and so you're just you're doing you're you're literally putting it together as you're going, and you're also sometimes pivoting the whole thing while you're going. So just the, that you have to get comfortable with the uncertainty that lies in that. Um, and I think that's true. And so I liked his, it helped me in times where I went, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. You know? And then the other one is the, uh, just do it mentality. So even though I'm an entrepreneur, even though I fund entrepreneurs and I'm all pro entrepreneur, I'm actually not, um, the person that tells everyone like you should just do it you know I'm really not that person I think um, a lot of ideas are bad ideas like and I don't mean that you know like that can come off wrong I realize but um, most businesses aren't successful and I don't think it's because people don't care and they're not trying hard I think some yeah. ideas don't fill all three of those hedgehog principle buckets you know is this a business that can actually make money? Do you mm. have some point of differentiation here? Like if, if you don't have those things, don't just plow through it. It's not inherently a good idea because it was yours, you know, like really beat up your own ideas and be okay with having ideas that aren't good. I probably came up with a hundred ideas that I killed all of them, before <laughs> I came up with this one. So to me, it's like, Through the course of lots of ideas, you're going to get to a better, you know, to, to the best ideas. And so have a really high bar for the ideas that you're going to invest your time and energy in.
1: Yeah, man. I'll never forget one of the big, like kind of self-awareness moments for me is, uh, I was in a meeting and my boss at the time was my best friend and I kept walking out of meetings feeling shot full of holes. And I finally pulled him aside and I was like, dude, what's, I was like, you got like a problem with me I was like I feel like every time I'm throwing out ideas I walk away full of holes yeah and he was like oh it's so funny you think that because I'm never shooting bullets at a person I'm always shooting bullets at an idea
0: yeah I love that
1: and he was like to me I didn't even think about you like he goes I just want to uh, while we're discussing it shoot as many bullets at this idea as I can
0: yeah and if it's
1: still a seaworthy yeah then we'll go to the next idea and I realized I was taking my ideas personally yeah And I was like, oh, that's a me thing. Like I got to cut that cord between me and my ideas and let me just say, that's an idea. That's not me. I'm not attached to that idea. You know what I'm saying?
0: That's right. And it freed
1: me creatively to even generate more ideas and say, well, go ahead, like shoot it full of holes.
0: Yeah. Shoot your own, shoot your own boat. Exactly. You know, it's like, you you know, that should be, you should want to do that because you don't want to find out after you've spent tons of money and tons of time. It's like, no, just try to do as much of that early on. And then, of course, you will still have to jump and you will still feel yes. afraid and still feel like you're not sure. I'm not, you'll never get to that place where you're jumping and being like, this is 100%. Yeah. But,
1: but we've eliminated the obvious risks or the yeah. obvious, like, how did I not see that Yes, being a bad idea, right?
0: Yeah, but just because sometimes I think people get a little blinded by passion. Like they love something so much, they want to do it. Yeah. And I meet with a lot of very early stage folks that'll you know, and I'll just be like, I don't, this sounds... I don't, I don't know that this is, you know, and we'll go through, we'll use the the principles and we'll beat it up in some way. And I'll just be thinking, wow, we've probably just saved them like a lot of time. And then I hope we did. You know.
1: Yeah, I love that. Okay. Number three, what causes you the most worry or stress leading your organization?
0: People. Um, and I don't, and I think it's the, you know, agonizing over if I'm doing the right thing by my people and my help, you know, my. Helping people to be successful. Am I reconciling the company's needs with the individual's needs as much as I possibly can? How do people feel? Do they do they feel like um, do they feel like I care about them? Like I, you know, it, because one of the things that's hard, and I mentioned this to you earlier, is like not everyone is with an organization all the time, you know, yeah. and that that's okay. That's to me, that's that's okay. Like I I've had to come to the place early on. I was it was very personal for me. And then I had to grow up and realize I don't, you know, most people don't stay at a company 25 years. Like
1: that's
0: uncommon. So that means people are coming and going and you gotta wrap your head around that. Obviously, don't if lots of people are going, that's a problem. But this idea of going like, am I doing enough? to make them feel great. But then am I also getting, you know, my, it's, there's this constant balance of trying to prioritize what the people need and what the company needs and trying to make sure those two things are happening at the same time.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Totally get that. Awesome. Uh, I think a lot of founders listening to this are going to resonate with that particular stress. Okay. Question number four, what is your current BHAG your big hairy audacious goal?
0: Well, it's funny about this because I have, uh, you know, I have, I have two ways of looking at this. I have the Lunia as a company, and that is build a billion dollar business. Let's, let's make this the, you know, the Lululemon of sleepwear, you know, that's, that's one of the big hairy audacious goals. Um, and then I have my personal goals, which is begin to have some balance and enjoyment back in my life and try to balance those two things together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. So, again, almost like when we're talking about the people, we we're saying, do I focus on the people or the profit? It, it's it's also here going, do I focus on the big audacious goal and or the my life at the same time? Do I have to pick? <laughs>
0: and that is that's why i say the things i say about my employees i'm not exempt from them right i personally have that same conundrum it's like the you know what am i most what am i optimizing for what is the most important and so for me both of those things are important and so that's where i gotta go um can i get both of those or and and ultimately i need both to win and so i think this is that that nuanced place of going can I get both or at what stage will that not be right? At what stage is it the right time to hire in the CEO who is going to be able to, you know, crush and on this. And so I think there's that balancing act here of going like, when can I, uh, how long are our paths always going in the same direction? I mean, this is literally just what I said about team. It's like, there's yeah. a, there's a crossover there and you have to make sure that an employee or myself. Uh, what I'm searching for lines up with what the company needs and that yeah. may happen for a long time or that could happen for less time and I think the important thing is that both need to get what they need and we hope those are together as long as possible because it's going well so, so far smart. but also have to be okay, okay. with it at some point those go separate directions and yeah. it's really about just giving everybody needs to get what where they where they're going and yeah. I don't want to hold anything back but knowing how to identify those moments and when that changes and what's right. I think that's my, that's my job, you know?
1: So cool. Great answer. Okay. Number five. This is our fun creative question. Take it however you wish. If you could hop into a DeLorean, go back to the past and tell yourself just one thing out the driver's side window, when would you go back? And what would you tell that younger version of yourself?
0: I would probably go back to, my mid-20s. I thought mid-20s were really hard because I didn't really know. i was still kind of trying to figure out who I was and where I was going. I think um, as a business person early on in your career, business person, like where does a business person sit? You know, it's like, are you in, I I didn't really know what that path looked like. And I was having, I was very unsure about where I was going. And I would probably just tell myself it's going to work out. Okay. You know, I, I, yeah. even though um, maybe I could have given myself a hint, you know, which might be, it would have been nice to, you know, just, Hey, don't hire this person and hire that person or choose yeah. that, that product or whatever, you know, sure. That would have been nice. But, but I honestly think I just would have tried to give myself peace of mind because yeah. I just remember feeling so unsure of who I was and where I was going. And I I felt lots of anxiety around that. And I Same. think yeah. Yeah. It, I think it's a weird lifetime. You know, you're out of school, which gave you yeah. this nice path that you were like, you knew the path. And then once you get dumped out in the regular world, you know, you're, there's no more summer break. Like you're working all the time. You probably yeah. have some kind of like not great paying job and you're working really hard at it. And I was just like, where am I, what am I doing? What, what am I at yeah. it? You know? And The so- way
1: I put it is I felt like at that stage of my life, I was standing on this dock and all these boats were leaving
0: Yeah. We're all
1: going to different destinations. And I thought I had to pick one and I was going to be on that for the rest of my life, but I wasn't sure where's it going and what's it like there. And I had this anxiety of like, I'm missing that boat. Crap. I took too long to make that decision. Now That that one's going off. And this one offered me a seat, but I don't know if I want to be on that seat. Like, I don't know enough, you know, my
0: my dad used to say though, that um, he'd go, you don't overanalyze the path the path he would be like you you don't really understand where the tangents of your life will lead lead you yeah and i think it's in hindsight of course this makes more sense to me but i do think you know i went to culinary school and i have an mba and i worked at a venture capital company and like why does any of that make sense together well and i'm an art history major you know like yeah. Yeah. So like what is going on here but If I were to tell you, you know, like if I think about what I do every day, I tell you, I use pieces from all of those, you know, Mm -hmm. and then it makes sense in my practical application of my job. I, I can't tell you and my life, you know, like culinary school, I didn't, I didn't end up becoming a chef, but, uh. I use it every day. You know what I mean? It brings my yeah. family together and it's a really great skill. And so, you know, there's just, there's these tangents that I think if you're following your heart and you, if you're following your, I, I like the ikigai, people can look that up, but it's a Japanese word for kind of like finding your joy and your meaning. Um, particularly with a career lens. I really think if you're following your ikigai, you know, this thing that is like this combination of what you love, what you're good at, what the world needs, what you can get paid for. If you're kind of Following that, yeah. where that's yeah. leading you, I think
1: you'll lead somewhere good. So good. So Let's good. In, Let's in? What's in there?
0: What's in there? Yeah. All right.
1: <laughs> that is uh, an awesome note to end on. Ashley, this has been truly a great uh, conversation. I am feeling inspired, challenged, uh, like you've upgraded my own business IQ and thinking. So I know our audience is feeling the same. Uh, so great to meet you. And thank you for being on our, our podcast today and sharing your time and your wisdom with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun.
1: Awesome. Well, hope you will be back sometime soon. Likewise. Thank you.
0: Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.